Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. Today, as the Israelites follow exactly what God had commanded under Joshua's leadership, taking the city of Jericho, you're going to see a beautiful biblical template for how we discern God's will for our lives, and you're going to see how much one soul is worth to God. Let's look at Joshua chapter 6, beginning in verse 8. After Joshua had spoken to the troops, seven priests carrying seven ram's horns before the Lord moved forward and blew the ram's horns. The ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. While the ram's horns were blowing, the armed men went in front of the priests who blew the ram's horns, and the rear guard went behind the ark. But Joshua had commanded the troops, Do not shout or let your voice be heard. Do not let one word come out of your mouth until the time I say, Shout. Then you are to shout. So, Joshua is being explicitly clear that we're going to follow God's commands to the letter. And this includes the proper timing, the sequence, the procedure. God had prescribed it. Joshua is being emphatic that they follow it exactly. Now, this takes time. It takes six days. And it seems, again, nonsensical. But God knew exactly what he was doing. I believe that's probably why this is in the Bible. What we're reading is miraculous. It's yet another miracle. The first generation of Israelites had a series of miracles. Now this second generation of Israelites has a series of miracles and God is the one bringing the victory. It's being done God's way. And so God gets all the glory for it. That's his prerogative. He's the one who created all that is. He is the sovereign. He is the one who told them to do it this way. And so at the end, we don't have statues revering Joshua alone, rather we revere God through Joshua. Let this be the template for how you set your life's trajectory. Let it be said at the end of your days, not she was an amazing woman herself in her own right by her own strength. He was an amazing man in his own right by his own strength, but rather she served great God. She was used mightily by God. He obeyed God to the best of his ability. She was an obedient servant of God. And as a result, the fruits of your life, the results of your legacy, they go beyond what you can manufacture on your own. You are a conduit through which the Holy Spirit of God realizes the will of God here on the sin-stained earth awaiting perfect redemption. Don't shout until you're supposed to. Okay, that's verse 10's very clear message. It's not yet time. Keep doing what God said to do in the meantime. So this means that you, you know, as, as you serve the same God as Joshua, following a very different calling, of course, right? If you're walking around Amazon's headquarters blowing ram's horns, um, security's probably going to escort you off the premises. It's not going to help you get the promotion. But... Do what God told you to do now. Meaning, if you don't know the big pieces of the future for your life, do what God told you to do where you currently are. God hasn't brought about the huge victory in your life. Well, what has he told you to do today? All right? What, obvious, this is an easy one. What sin can you repent of right now? That's an easy one. And then moreover, moreover, what step can you take today? That's what they were to do. It's not yet time for the shouting. God's going to bring the victory for the Israelites in his own due time. God's going to have his will done in his timing. 
You do what God told you to do today. In the meantime, the right now, on days one through six. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the city, circling at once. They returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning. The priests took the ark of the Lord and the seven priests carrying seven ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord. While the ram's horns were blowing, the armed men went in front of them and the rear guard went down behind the ark of the Lord. On the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. So you can see it is more of the same. They are rinsing and repeating the same instructions because they are following God's instructions to the letter. You can imagine this was monotonous. You can imagine this may have even seemed embarrassing. It looked bizarre to the people who were losing. Come on, there's something to that. Okay, you are single, you're a member of the Redemption Church, and you are not a part of the gross hookup culture. You know, what you're doing is what God said to do, and it just looks bizarre to the people who are going to suffer the wrath of God. Do you see that? You keep on trucking. It's not yet time for the full victory. It's not yet time for the shouting. It's not day seven just yet. But you keep doing what God told you to do, no matter how nonsensical it seems to the people who are in the crosshairs of the wrath of God, just like you and I used to be before Christ. Back to the text. Early on the seventh day, they started at dawn and marched around the city seven times in the same way. This was the only day they marched around the city seven times, okay? Because again, they're just following God's instructions to the letter. This is not legalism. This is obedience because this is what God said to do. After the seventh time, the priests blew the ram's horns and Joshua said to the troops, shout. Okay, so this is the moment that he told them to wait for in verse 10. Now it's time. Now it's time. Right? Shout for the Lord has given you the city. Now, this is, this is a powerful moment because it's also faith-based. You'll see that Joshua is speaking in past tense, okay? He has given you the city. And this is because God spoke in the past tense. But in this moment, nothing looked any different. The only difference was instead of blowing ram's, ram's horns, now they're shouting. The walls still look massive and intact. So even at not even the 11th hour, like the final moment, it still looked futile. It may have even looked funny. Just picture it. If you had a house kind of like Rahab's with a view of the city wall and you're just kind of perched on your window and you're just watching these weirdos, just, they, you know, they're, they're doing a, a drum corps parade and they're just going by blasting ram's horns. Okay, here's the, here's the, here's the parade. Oh, there are seven parades today. Oh, look, now they're shouting. Like <laughs> These are your final moments and you don't know it, <laughs> okay? To the person who is out of the will of God, the person doing the will of God, looks like he or she is behaving bizarrely, even until the very moment of the realization, the full realization of everything for which this person has hoped in faith. It just looks weird. Prepare to look weird when you live out the will of God, especially right there at the walls of Jericho, especially in a culture like the greater Seattle area. Prepare to look weird. But the city and everything in it are set apart to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and everyone with her in the house will live because she hid the messengers we sent. Now, uh, you're going to notice a, a shift in the text here. 
there are some like 102 words that are devoted to the actual instructions for the final step and the and the, the fall of the walls of Jericho. And there are uh, like 86 words, I think, devoted to the salvation of Rahab. Rahab's salvation is incredibly important to God. It is more important, I would argue, than the fall of the walls of the city of Jericho because Rahab carries in her testimony a bigger picture. She is part of the lineage that would lead to Christ. So she, especially, she and her family, because that's what was agreed to, as long as everybody abided by what was stipulated by the spies, she is actually the most important objective in this whole miraculous campaign. Now, final instructions that will be very important for those of you who have never read the book of Joshua before. Verse 18 reads, but keep yourselves from the things set apart or you will be set apart for destruction. If you take any of those things, you will set apart the camp of Israel for destruction and make trouble for it. Okay, so set apart. We typically think of this in, in conjunction with the word holy as in God is holy and set apart and above all else. This is set apart in a negative connotation. That's the stuff that is not for the people of God. All right, in the Garden of Eden, the forbidden fruit was in this sense set apart. In fact, it was the only thing set apart in the world at the time. <laughs> and now as they take Jericho, he's still speaking in faith. Okay. Because the walls are still intact as of this moment. There's this reminder, look, stay away from the stuff that is not for you. These are the articles of sin because they bring the practices that are sinful. All right, stay away from the idolatry. Stay away from the things that the people of Jericho are worshiping. Okay, do you hear that, Christian? That stuff, that's the set-apart stuff in a bad way. Those values that are antithetical to the gospel, those practices that are antithetical to a Christian walk, those are the set-apart things. That's for the people of Jericho. That's their stuff. Okay, you are called away from those practices. Moreover, did you notice how the scope began to kind of broaden in Joshua's warning? He said, keep yourselves from the things set apart or you will be set apart for destruction. Okay, so in the first sentence, it's individual in its scope, but then it takes on a corporate scope in verse uh, the second sentence of verse 18. This will be important when we take the city of Ai. If you take any of those things, you will set apart the camp of Israel for destruction. Okay, <clears throat> your sins affect more than just you, even the sins that you think are secret. Stay tuned for more on that, but do consider the ripple effect of your sins. If you're trying to discern God's will for your life, man, pray hard in Romans 12. Worship your tail off, okay? Be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't emulate the practices of Jericho while God's calling you to take it. Instead, consider, as you do, that if you should fall, if you should take some of the things set apart, if you should begin to emulate the idolatrous practices of Jericho, then it will affect you and it will affect the people around you. This can have a negative effect on an entire family, and one family sin can have a hugely catastrophic effect on an entire church. And then that effect of the church affects its testimony in the community and inhibits the growth of the kingdom of God. 
Consider the effects of how your sin can radiate out. Watch out. Watch out. Verse 19. For all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are dedicated to the Lord and must go into the Lord's treasury. There's something to this seventh time. Going around the city seven times. And now the moment has come to finally actually shout. There's a story in 2 Kings 5. There's this man named Naaman. And he's been used of God to bring victory in the past. He's afflicted with a skin disease. And he is told by the prophet Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha, to go to the Jordan and wash seven times. And at first he's skeptical. And then when he finally follows through, he's healed. This is the completion. It was on the seventh day that God rested. The total process of creation was complete. The seventh time that Naaman washed in the Jordan, he was healed. And now Israel has marched around Jericho seven times. That's a lot. That's a lot of times. Can you picture Naaman getting in the Jordan, getting back out, getting in and out, and then back in again, and then back out, and back in again? And we're only like halfway through at this point. See, <clears throat> it takes time. Don't give up on the sixth lap around Jericho. There's something beautiful about this story as we see the people of God obeying God explicitly and particularly. They're not picking and choosing which aspects of God's commands that they obey. They're not abiding even the least bit of sin or compromise, taking any of the set-apart things from Jericho. They're following God's commands exactly, even when it made no sense, even when it made them look foolish in the eyes of the people who were losing and all the while, God is up to something huge. They cannot begin to conceive what's actually happening here. There's way more in the conquest of Jericho than the miraculous falling of a fortified city's walls. There is the provision, the salvation of the genealogy that would lead to the Savior. These people were party to the background, to the greatest miracle in the history of the universe. But man, they must have looked weird walking around blowing ram's horns and especially shouting right in the final moments before God brought the victory. Do what God called you to do explicitly today without compromise, without emulating the pagan practices of the people you're called to reach.